morning. Thank you, Jerry. That was awesome. Thank you for leading us in prayer at the end there. We are at the start of or the start of chapter four, verse two. If you weren't here last week, we talked about Philippians three, fifteen through twenty one and laying our lives before God and living up to what He's already given us and our minds being set on heavenly things as citizens of heaven. That's a really quick summary. Um, but this week um, is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. So if you've ever heard me pray, I pray this, I pray part of this prayer of this scripture all the time. I probably prayed it over some of you here. Uh, if I haven't prayed it over you yet, then I probably will <laughs> at some point if you let me pray for you. Uh, it's, it's just so good. So I want us to dive right in, but this, Paul is just beginning to close up. He's, he's speaking to the people of, uh, you know, the Philippian church, and he's, he's kind of coming, coming to his caboose here. Uh, but as Paul, good preacher that he is, uh, he, he says, in closing, and then let me say one more thing. Uh, so he's, he's going to start to close, and he's going to say one more thing. So, but I'm going to take this really quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So if you've got Philippians 4 and verse 2 there, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open the word, even as we read it right now. Open our hearts to your word. Thank you, Lord. Paul says this, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sintiq to be the same mind, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. So you can see there, he's trying, he's, it looks like he's just closing. And then he says, one more thing, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, verse, uh, verse 6 and 7 are, are some of my key scriptures that, that, I, that I live by. People have told me, and I'm just going, you know, I'm just taking this for what it's, what it's worth. People have told me that, that I just have peace on my life. That I'm just a peaceful, that I just have the peace of God on my life. Uh, we go on mission trips. I've had people, you know, they're a little bit nervous to go on mission trips, you know. And then, like, I've had them say, man, I, I felt a little nervous, but then John was just so peaceful. So I was like, well, I'm just going to be peaceful, too. Um, and I really believe it's because of this scripture right here and allowing God to work this scripture into my life that the peace of God that passes understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you don't even, uh, I probably don't even realize the peace I walk in and when you meet people that aren't at peace, confused by their behavior. Or their emotions or their different things because you're like, why, why are you feeling that? Why are you acting like that? 
It's because you don't have the, they don't have the peace of God guarding their heart and their mind. And so, you know, we're, we're already getting to verse 7. Do you want to just preach backwards, go 7 to 2? It doesn't matter. Um, so it's so powerful. This is, this is personal to me. And a funny thing is I, I wasn't even thinking about this until later in the week. Uh, Jerry will find this interesting. But uh, the first sermon I preached after I graduated from Bible college in Cedar Park, Texas, was from Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Probably wasn't that good. Hopefully this one will be better. <laughs> Never know. Uh, but it was the first, first passage. So, you know, there's just always been something about this section of Scripture that has, that has spoken to me. Um, so I want us to start off in verse 2. Paul starts to... I don't want to just skip over this little greeting here because there's a couple of important things there. Uh, number one is this. You'll notice there's two ladies there that were Paul, Paul's co-workers. Now, if you grew up in Foursquare Church, it's like, yeah, of course. If you grew up in another church where women were not quite on the same level as men... You know, there's like, yeah, men can do these things, but women, there's certain things that, you know, there's a, there's a ceiling for you. In other words, you, you've got a ceiling, the glass ceiling is there and you'll never reach this place. But if you'll notice throughout even Paul's expressions and looking deeper into some of the confusing passages, and I'm not going to get into that today, there's a book in the back if you want to read about it, uh, Women in Ministry. But all throughout Paul, there's, he's, he's talking about all these women who are partnering with him in the gospel. They're co-workers with him. And in fact, if you need a reminder, who was the first person who came to Jesus in the Philippian church? Does anybody remember? Who said that? Oh, my son. (laughs) Who was it? Lydia was the first one in this church right here who came to the Lord. The first convert the first one who gave their hearts to jesus in europe was not a man she was a woman (laughs) and so paul here is talking about these ladies so it's just kind of a little hint as to how paul viewed women you know women in even in that culture were were able to in the philippian you know the roman culture there was there was actually a little more freedom than there was in the jewish culture they had allowed women to own property and be leaders in some sections of the city. Uh, Lydia was most likely an influential person in the city. She was a dealer in purple cloth, very expensive. So she would have been very affluent. She would have been very wealthy. She would have been very influential and very powerful in the city. Most likely, she, in fact, would have been appointed as the head of the church in Philippi. Because basically how you did it was the first person that came to Jesus, and then they grew up in Jesus, you're like, then Paul's like, I got to leave. You're in charge. See ya. <laughs> I got to move on to the next place. I mean, Paul would spend a certain amount of time with him, then he'd leave. And so we don't know that for sure. That's, that's conjecture. So uh, you can disagree, and that's fine. Uh, but we, it's a possibility. But she was definitely a key figure in the church. And you can see here that there's women here that he's greeting and saying, hey, they are so important. And he's saying, hey, you need to agree in the Lord. In other words, he doesn't totally, you know, come against them and stuff, but he says, hey, let's, you know, you've, you've been having a little bit of a different view, a different perspective, and you need to come together to ha- have the same mind of, of Jesus Christ. Um, 
And so, to me, that's just a, a huge little glimpse. There's little glimpses all throughout uh, the, the New Testament. Sometimes it doesn't spell it out uh, for people, and so they get confused. Um, so then it goes on and says this, Rejoice in the Lord, I will say it again, rejoice. Now, we, kn- we know this. If you've been in church a while, you've heard this. There used to be songs, like, you know, wasn't there several songs about rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You know, you're old enough to know that. <laughs> it's sad. It's either great or sad, right? Um, so there is, there is a reason to live with something inside of us that lifts us above sorrow, that lifts us above discouragement, that lifts us above, you know, anxiety, that lifts us above you know, opposition, that lifts us above confusion, that lifts us above whatever we're facing in our lives, and it's the joy of the Lord. I mean, the Old Testament, what does it say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So one thing you need to realize is that this is a command, not a suggestion. Anybody know the difference between a command and a suggestion, right? It's a suggestion is, yeah, this is a great idea. I mean, we're, we're used to those things in our culture, right? We like suggestions. We don't like commands, right? Who likes commands here? Anybody? Who likes being told what to do? At work, when they say, you're not going to do this anymore. And you're like, oh, come on. That's ridiculous. That's not, that's not common sense says we should be able to do that. Because we don't, we don't like commands, right? But Paul here, this is, this is not a suggestion. It's imperative in the Greek. He's saying, look, you don't have an option. You rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Now, if Paul asks us to do that, that must mean the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has already given us joy. Because God is not like our workplace, right? He doesn't command us to do something and then just kind of like, I don't even care if you have the stuff to do it or not. Just do it, right? You all have bosses like that, don't you? Some of you do. Uh, But God doesn't do that. The Lord doesn't do that. He says, look, I'm going to call you to something that I've already given you. I've already given you joy. So if I've already given you joy, you can rejoice. So if you find yourself, oh, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. Holy Spirit has already given you joy. You can choose to rejoice any moment, at any time, in the Lord. It doesn't say you get to rejoice that something horrible has happened or, you know, this hard time is upon you or, you, you know, it's not working out like you thought it should work out. But no, you can rejoice in the Lord. And how does that happen? I have to turn my focus. I have to, I have to, I have to intentionally take my focus off of me and say, Lord, I'm going to focus on you. Anybody find that this fast can get challenging sometimes? Some of you all are fasting. Whatever you're fasting, you know, it doesn't matter what you're fasting. Uh, if you're fasting and it's not a challenge yet, you need to pick something else to fast. <laughs> I mean, it's just practical. Like, you don't even care about that thing that you're giving up. It's like, I'm fasting coffee. So, yeah, big deal. Uh, I fasted coffee since I was zero. <laughs> Except for the, like, few times that people say, hey, try this. No, this is different. Try it. Like, no, no, no. No, it's not different. Okay, I'll, I'll try it. It's not different, man. 
That stuff's from hell. Come on now. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to see if you're awake. I've definitely got, my taste buds have not been redeemed. I know that. So it is different tasting to me. So, but the thing is, so if it's like, oh yeah, it's been a piece of cake. It's like, well, the, the point of it is to, first of all, let God speak to you. So if he spoke to you, then don't let me talk you out of it. But is this, is also God's going to give you something that's going to challenge you to rely upon his spirit. Because when, when you're fasting, when you find yourself saying, whatever it is, if it's food, you're like, man, I'm, I'm just really hungry. Like those cornbread muffins that I made, we made for the kids last night, they look amazing. <laughs> I don't know if it was just the way they were or if, they just, or if it's just like, no, you're, you haven't had bread or much food for seven days. <laughs> but they look, they look amazing. So what do you do in those moments when you're longing for that thing, when you're like, oh, I, gotta, I need to check social media, but I'm not on it right now. I'm not going on it. I'm not going on it is you pray. You intentionally set your focus and say, I do this. I say, Lord, make me hungry for you. Because right now I'm hungering for something else, whether that's physical food, whether that's entertainment, whether that's, you know, what, you know, playing around, whatever. I don't know what, what you're fasting. You're like, I'm fasting exercise. No. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a real uh, exception for you. I don't know. Uh, but whatever it is is, is, is I just say this. I say, Lord, make me hungry for you. I want to be hungry for you. And so when you do that, what, what are you doing? You're, you're intentionally turning the, your inward focus to the Lord. And when you do that, what happens? You get grace. You get the grace of God. You get the power of God. I don't say this to brag, so please don't, don't take this. Because uh, I've fasted in the flesh before, and I've flash, fasted in the spirit before. And it's the same way with anything, whether you're rejoicing, whether you're fasting, whether you're worshiping. You know, there's, there's a decision where you say, I'm going to do this. And then there's the intentional part of your heart and your, your focus of your mind to say, I'm going to fix my focus on Jesus. And I'm going to invite him to fill me with something beyond myself. Because you are believing for supernatural power to be joyful in the middle of your situation. Supernatural power. This is not, this is not pretending to be happy. This is not putting on a church face. Everybody know the church face, right? We all know how the church faces. How are you doing? I'm doing good. What other answer would I give at church, right? <laughs> how are you doing, man? Of course I'm good. I'm saved, brother, delivered, healed. I'm set, washed in the blood of Jesus. And we say all these things when it's like, hey, wait a second. Actually, I'm beaten down, but I'm going to look to Jesus today. <laughs> I am struggling right now, but I'm going to look to Jesus. He is my source. He is my deliverer. He is my strength. I am feeling anything but joyful today, but guess what? I am going to look to Jesus, my joy. Jesus is my joy. And so I'm going to look to him and say, Lord, do something in me. I'm believing for a supernatural transaction, not a religious, uh, you know, exercise, a supernatural transaction with heaven. And so Paul says, because he knows it, he's living it. He is filled with the spirit of God. 
And he says, rejoice in the Lord. I mean, and this is a guy that's been beat. I mean, this is a guy that he shows up to town and preaches and they run him out and throwing rocks at him. I mean, he's been shipwrecked. He's had, you know, he's been put in prison. He's probably writing from prison right now. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. He is writing from prison, not probably. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. So if you find yourself in a season where you're like, I just feel like there's no joy. Guess what? God's expecting you to allow the Holy Spirit to release that joy in you. It's not supposed to make sense in your head. There are lots of things that won't make sense in our heads when we're following Jesus. Sometimes our head is not, is not, our mind is not renewed, but our spirit is always renewed. When you're a follower of Jesus, you are joined with the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is now joined with the Spirit of God, and you have the power of heaven in you. So you have the power of joy, the joy of heaven within you at any moment. I didn't say it was easy, but it's true. So Paul goes on to say, hold on, let's stop right there. If you need joy, let's pray right now. Let's just ask God to do it. Put Put your hands open or put your hand on your heart, whatever you need right now. In the name of Jesus, we just declare joy over every life today. I declare over those who thought they could never have joy again. You will have joy again. You will have joy again. You will be free again. Thank you, Lord. We trust in you, God, to make us hungry for the things of you, for the things of your kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's Romans 14, 17. If you need that scripture, it's uh, Romans 14, 17. Filling us with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The word gentleness there uh, is the same word that's used for like being gracious, being patient, showing kindness, uh, reasonableness. Uh, Have you seen anybody be unreasonable lately? (laughs) I think think the new thing that's cool is being just unreasonable, uh, irrational. Extreme, polarized, whatever. That's our. That's our. At least our country. I don't know how it is in the other countries because I haven't been to visit one since 2020. <laughs> but I don't know how it is. But at least in our country, that's how it is, right? It's. It's like this is unreasonable. And then the thing that's even more heartbreaking is you've got all these people being unreasonable, and then they're like, "Yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, we're for him," and you're like. Well, I'll tell you what I want to do. Well, maybe I won't. Anyway, it's, it's not kind. <laughs> so I don't do it. But you're like, what is, what is going on? And Paul says, look, the way you live your life should be evident to every single person you come in contact with. That your gentleness, that your reasonableness, that your graciousness should be evident at all times. Why? Because the Lord is near. Now, that can mean two things. It could mean, number one, he could have been saying, Jesus is coming back. And I think that could be part of it. But there's also, it, this is the same word that Jesus and John the Baptist use when 
when they said, repent for the kingdom of God is near or at hand. So I think what it means is this. Hey, just a reminder, God's with you. So act differently because he's with you. Don't you act different when certain people are around? Think about it. When I'm driving down Wadley, you know, and right by the little uh, the car wash there as you're, as you're coming, uh, what, east on Wadley toward A Street, there's, there's a little, there's, there's a police car that sometimes likes to park there. And they have a little fancy, you know, phone that their phone looks like a gun. And they have it pointed out towards all the cars that are driving by. And you know what? It's amazing how every single person, once they realize the presence of the policeman there, they suddenly, their foot goes off the gas. <laughs> you know, the speed limit on Wadley is 40, right? Uh, Command or suggestion, right? Well, that's a debate, right? <laughs> I don't know. But the presence of the authority, the police, changes your behavior, right? You act differently. We do that with people too. It's like when you, you know, if you're with your, when you're younger, when you're with your parents, you won't, but if your parents aren't there, you know, you can have all kinds of things that may, may go differently, right? Maybe for you, it's your, your pastor. I don't know. <laughs> You probably don't act any different when I'm around, do you? Uh, you know, maybe somebody else, you know, where you're like, well, with them, you know, but when I'm, you know, over here. And that's what Paul is saying. It's, it's kind of like the idea that I've said so many times, but I'll say it again, is this, where people say, don't do that in church. <laughs> like, hey, I'm, I'm in the room now, so I can behave a certain way. And it's kind of like, it's like God's only here. It's like we're in the Old Testament. Like there's a, God's in a box up here on the stage and we just like, ooh, and then we leave and come back to him next week and go, ooh, and uh, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament is what? He's everywhere, right? He's, he's in us. He's, he's flowing through us. And thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. But it also means, guess what? He's with you. <laughs> so it might change the way I communicate with people. Whether it's directly or online or through text messages. Isn't it amazing how people are a lot bolder on text messages, right? <laughs> it's a whole lot easier to type something than it is to talk it out. Uh, especially if they're bigger than you, right? <laughs> or scarier than you. Sometimes it's not even ha- the size of a person. There's some little ladies that are super scary, right? You're like, I don't want to mess with them, right? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to mess with let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. And then Paul gets to something even, even deeper. He, he starts going inside our hearts. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, we're, we're living in a time, in our, probably in our world, but certainly in our American culture, where anxiety has increased many times over. I mean, they're like the people you're working with are under a stress, whether they know it or not, that they probably haven't experienced for most of their life, unless they've been in crisis situations, of course. But besides those personal crisis situations, it's like there's just a level of stress and anxiety in our world right now that's always looking to grab your heart. 
It's always looking to control your actions. It's always looking to get your attention and say, hey, 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 look what's going on here. And Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything. And again, we have to look at this and say, Paul would not ask us to do something that God has not given us the ability to do. Some of us live with anxiety that's just there. It's there all the time. It doesn't matter what we do. We can't seem to get rid of it. And I just want you to know that doesn't have to be your normal. That doesn't have to be your present or your future. That doesn't have to be, you know, it's not that God has a hope and a future for you, but it's got this thing hanging on your leg the whole time. No, he's saying you don't have to be anxious about anything. You have weapons to battle anxiety. It's not easy. It's easy to be anxious. I mean, the best way to not be anxious apart from Jesus is this. Go live in a hole and don't see anybody and don't do anything. Because if I don't see anybody and don't do anything, but then I might get anxious if I'm being by myself, right? If I'm an extrovert, I'm not. But if I was, I might know what that felt like. But there's always this anxiety is looking to take a seat at your table of your heart, so to speak. And Paul is saying, you know what? There are some guests that don't need to be at your table. And I'm talking about the table of your spiritual heart, your emotions, your soul. That anxiety does not have to have influence over your daily thoughts and emotions. And Paul says there's two things you can do with anxieties. Number one, give thanks. And number two, pray. Hey, you've got that thing you're anxious over? Pray until you release it to the Lord. I prayed yesterday. Pray again today. Pray until you get the breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't give up. We don't have to be anxious about anything. We don't have to live in anxiety. We, we don't have to live as, as you know... Forfeiting the benefits of us being co-heirs, of us being brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Anxiety does not have to rule in your heart. Anxiety does not have to rule in your mind. Anxiety does not have to rule in your emotions. You can live in peace. And so Paul closes and he makes this this promise. If you need a promise of God, here's the promise of God right here. That we started with. And the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jerry, I need you to come up here. 
I need another volunteer. Who wants to volunteer? Come on up. Either one of you. <laughs> There's two hands right there. So we're going to have these guys stand here. So uh, Jerry, first of all, Terry's you, okay? Everybody say, hi, me. <laughs> okay? So Jerry is the peace of God. You get to be the peace of God right now. And so what this word means in the Greek is this. When it says that God's gonna, the peace of God will guard your heart, Jerry is an armed sentry. He is a soldier that is... He is totally armed with any weapon he needs. And so, right here you have you, okay? This is your mind and your heart, okay? So you've got head and heart right here. So, when something tries to come in your life to remove you from the peace of God, you're going to, you know what you do, right? Is when, when, when anxiety comes and says, I'm going to throw a punch, the peace of God says, No. What if I sneak, if something tries to sneak up from behind, guess what? The peace of God is there saying, no, you don't have access to this heart and this mind. It doesn't matter if there's a lot of enemies that come. If a bunch of enemies come up here, guess what? The peace of God is able to deflect and guard whoever tries to stop entering enter into your life. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Let's give it up for those guys. It's such a powerful picture. You know what? Sometimes I, sometimes I picture, like when I think of this scripture, I just, whatever a soldier looks like to you, whether it's old school, whether it's new school, whether it's, you know, the guys that march around in, in, in London or whatever, I don't know. Whatever that picture is for you, I picture a soldier just standing in front of my mind, standing in front of my heart, say, protecting and guarding me from anything that would try to come in, that would try to steal the peace of God from my life. It's powerful peace. It's, you know, we think of peace as like calm, but the peace in this aspect is it's calm for us, but it's power for anything that comes against us. And the even greater thing is this, is it guards both ways. What do I mean by that? Maybe I should have left Terry up here. No. When Terry is up here and his mind wants to go to a place that's not peace, guess what? The peace of God turns around and says, no, we're not going there. When your heart wants to go to a, to a certain direction, the peace of God says, no, we're not going to let that out right now. We're not going to go there. When you're, and I think from our heart and our mind comes what? What comes out of our mouth? So there's also the times where sometimes the peace of God comes and says, you don't have to say that. You don't have to defend yourself. I'm your defender. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to try to take it into your own hands. I've got this. You know, when Jesus was on the boat, we, uh, many of us, you know, if you don't know the story, Jesus went to sleep on a boat and a storm came, and the disciples are going crazy because they're like, what's going on? Somebody wake up, Jesus. How can you be asleep, Jesus, right now? 
Because Jesus lived right here. 100% in the peace of God at all times. Because it didn't matter if there's a storm going on outside. There's not a storm in here for Jesus. There's not a storm in here for Jesus. And this promise of God is for every son and daughter of the King of Kings. That the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, sometimes you're like, whoa, I'm experiencing peace. And I don't even, I don't even understand it in my head. Like I've still got... The problem is still the same. It doesn't say the peace of God will make you have no problems. It just says it's going to guard your heart and your mind. In Christ Jesus. And so that's the scripture that's one of my favorite. And I, if you've heard me, how many of you have heard me? I, pr- I pray this over people all the time. I just say I pray that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. Because, man, one of the things that gets us so far off track is when we step out of God's peace. I mean, people have done it all the time with all kinds of weird spiritual warfare stuff, too. Is They get all agitated. Some people get all agitated about spiritual warfare. They get agitated about the end times. Some people get agitated about political stuff. Some people get agitated about all the young people and what they're doing is way different than us. Some people get agitated about all the old people and how they won't let us be ourselves and be free and experience, you know, spread our wings and we've got great ideas too and whatever it is we've got all this stuff that agitates us that's that's you know and and it's meant to be hey no i'm going to live in peace i'm going to live with the peace of god and trust in what he is doing in my life i'm going to trust god with what he's doing in the world that's a good one right now huh I'm going to trust God that I don't understand what's going on, but I'm, I'm trusting you and I can live in the peace of God. I can, I can war from a place of peace. I can be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and put on the full armor of God. But guess what? I'm walking. The shoes are peace, right? I am walking wherever I go. I've got peace on my feet. So if that has not been your experience, then I encourage you Put this scripture everywhere you can see it. Say it every morning and at noon and at night. Speak it over your children. Speak it over your parents. Speak it over your, even your workplace. Because you can walk in the peace of God that passes understanding no matter what situation you are in. It's the promise of God. It's the, it's the very word of God right here that he's saying to us, as you trust in him, as you give thanks, as you are offering everything to him, you are praying. You're like, Lord, I'm, I'm believing you for this. I am entrusting this in your hand. When I leave it in your hands, the peace of God descends and he sets up camp and says, I'm going to guard your heart. We all know when we slip out of peace, right? It's so easy to tell, <laughs> isn't it? Have you ever been, have you, you know, it's just like, there's always that one person, right? It's none of you, none of you are here today are that for me. Thank, thank you, Jesus, right? You know, there's always that one person that can just like say the one thing, right? It might be a family member, maybe it's a, you know, it's just like they say it and you're like, jeez. Oh, <laughs> ah. And right away you're, you're riled up. On the inside, there's no more peace. There's, there's something churning on the inside, right? 
It's like a cement mixer going. You're just, you're just going, 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 going. I just need to declare this scripture over my life. No, I say the peace of God, which transcends my understanding, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Speak it over yourself. Pray it over yourself. Pray it over other people. And live it out. Because right now, people who are people of peace look different than those who are full of stress and anxiety. And people are looking for someone like Jesus, who whenever he walked into the room, it was like, it didn't matter if they were sinners. It didn't matter if they were the, they'd done all kinds of things. They were still drawn to him. They didn't feel judged. They felt welcomed. You know, in the Old Testament, the word, the word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. And this, 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 this is definitely a reference, I believe, to the idea of shalom. Shalom means this, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing out of place. Wholeness. So, so it's not even just like, oh, it's, just, there's just, it's not just calm and like not crazy. It's like, no, there's, there is healing and wholeness in the peace of God, in the shalom of God. Shalom just means peace in Hebrew. If you ever hear me pray shalom, I do that too sometimes. I know it's weird. Sounds weird. (laughs) Sounds normal in church. Sounds weird everywhere else, right? (laughs) But I pray that the shalom of heaven, where you would have on your inside with your heart and your mind, there be nothing missing, nothing broken, and nothing out of place. So let's just let's just pray over that right now. If you, wherever you are, let's stand up and change our position a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this promise, O oh Lord. We are declaring the peace of God over every single life right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for releasing your peace to every heart. If you need that right now, I just say, just take hold of this promise right now. You can just say, even say right where you're at, I'm going to live in the peace of God. Just say it out loud. I'm going to live in the peace of God. I am going to live in the peace of God that passes, surpasses my understanding. God, we thank you for your, for your provision and your supply that is endless. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us an armed security guard, that you have given us an army, if, as it were, a garrison to protect our hearts and our minds from the onslaught of the world, from all the thoughts and confusion and things that would try to come into our lives, that you are saying no, that the peace of God, the shalom of heaven, the presence of God would, would cover our lives and our hearts and our minds. We welcome that right now, Holy Spirit. Whatever situation you have that's the least peaceful, right? Just welcome God into that situation right now. Lord, we just welcome you into that situation right now. We believe that your peace is stronger than the chaos of that situation. We believe that your peace is stronger than the the brokenness in that situation. We believe that your, your peace is stronger than the anxiety and stress and tension of that situation. We declare that your peace reigns in our hearts. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We thank you for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace being released in us right now. Being released in every heart. Every heart that's watching online right now, I release peace to you in Jesus' name. May your mind stop going crazy in Jesus' name. May your emotions stop getting out of control and causing destructive words to come out of your mouth. In Jesus' name, I declare peace over you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into all that we're thinking, all that we're feeling, all that we desire, our hearts and minds. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just begin to thank Him right now. Just, just thank God for a couple things. Just give, offer up some thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being good to me. Thank you for answering prayers, God. Thank you that you've never left us alone, God. Thank you. Thank you for meeting my needs. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for the miracles I've seen in my life, God. Thank you for the provision, God, where I've seen you provide things. Lord, where, you, where you've showed up. Thank you for the people you sent into my life that changed my life. Lord, thank you for, the, for, for those that have loved me, God. Thank you for my family. Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my in-laws. Thank you for this church body, God. Thank you. You are so good. You have been so good to me, Lord. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. So I will sing. I will declare. I will live in the goodness of God. We just declare that we will live in the goodness of God. We will live in your goodness, O Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Leaders, if you're here, if anybody's here that can pray, it's a leader, come on up front here. If you need prayer for something specific, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I hear you say this, but I'm, just still, I'm still battling, I'm still battling. I need somebody to, to come alongside, and that's okay. Sometimes we need someone to, to, to stand with us in the battle that's going on in our mind or our heart or what's going on. So if you need prayer before you leave, please don't leave without getting prayer. Um, if not, you are free to go. You are dismissed in, in the blessing of the Lord. But come on up and get prayer if you need prayer this morning.